That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC. And now we are here. More electric cars. Need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point. And some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Show with Seth Lightman. Hey, Green Living Guy here, and I want to talk to you about a new sponsor of mine and a manufacturer of 100% battery electric commercial vehicles. They focus on last mile and regional haul delivery. Trucks that transport money and valuables for Loomis, deliver packages for FedEx Ground, and transport linens and textiles for UniFirst. We're talking about Exos Trucks. Exos Trucks, folks. Exos Trucks. In March, Exos delivered 15 vehicles to several FedEx Ground operators across California. Their vehicles are on the road right now and have been since 2018. Did I say electric? (laughs) All electric trucks, yo. So Exos Trucks at exostrucks.com. Their mission is to decarbonize commercial transportation. Check it out. So again, as I always say, folks, Green Living Guy says one small step at a time. Today's is Exos Trucks, all electric for your needs. Hey, guys, what's up? It's Green Living Guy. Good to see you again and here and glad you enjoyed our podcast and keep coming back. So I have an old friend of mine from back in the day when we used to go to Ford conferences back in the day and try and tell Bill Ford Jr. what about electric vehicles. And now look at them. I have my buddy Stephanie Moram, who is from Montreal, and she's got her own green profile going on. And I'm just so glad, so glad to have her on my podcast because I've been dying to have her on my podcast and we're here. So what's up, Stephanie? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here too to to chat about all things green. Yeah. So let's dive in in the sense of tell me how you started your green path and your green brand. It all started as Seth mentioned, I live in Montreal, but there was a very short period of time that we lived in the United States. And that was before we had kids. So When we lived in Augusta, Georgia, I remember this moment. We were sitting on the couch, my husband and I, and we were watching the movie Food, Inc. If you have not seen the movie (laughs) Food, Inc., you need to watch it. (laughs) That'll get you kind of riled up, yeah, to say the least, yeah. Yeah, so we're watching this documentary. I recycle, and that's pretty much all I do. I buy organic food every once in a while, but I'm not really sure why I'm buying organic food at this time. Right. I watched the movie, and I'm just thinking... I'm not eating like this anymore. I'm changing my eating habits. And my husband was kind of like, what? You want to change how we're eating? I said, yeah, didn't you watch the movie with me? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, I'm on a sabbatical from work. I'm going to start researching. I'm going to research why organic is better, like even more. If you eat meat, why is grass fed better? Why is eating organic vegetables better? Just why, right? And that's how it just got started. I started asking questions about our food system and I feel like no matter how you enter on your green journey, you end up falling, like you end up just going down rabbit holes, right? So it started with food, then I'm pregnant with my daughter and I start questioning what moms and parents are being marketed for their kids, all these things that we don't necessarily need and they're highly toxic. So that was a whole other rabbit hole. So it was food and then chemicals and toxic chemicals and Then it just was the clothing we're buying. So it was about 11 or 12 years ago that I started this journey. And when my daughter was probably three months old, I watched another documentary called Who Killed the Electric Car, which I'm Uh, sure you know that documentary. Yeah, just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. And I watched that documentary and that was like my inspiration to make change outside of myself. And I just said, in 10 years, 
if I don't do something in this green living space, whether it's like a job or whether it's like activism, I'm going to kick myself. And it's been 12 years. And I'm so glad that I decided when my daughter was three months old, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I was going to do something. And then I'm speaking to a friend who had a mom blog and she said, start a blog. I said, no way. I can't spell very well. And she said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just share your information. And so I did. I just ripped off the band-aid, started a blog, got on Twitter, and the rest is kind of history at this point. Stepping back for one second, what is the name of your blog? Good Girl Gone Green. Good Girl Gone Green. So I wanted to get everybody aware of that in the audience there. So goodgirlgonegreen.com. So everybody should know that, should add that to their favorites, and <laughs> should subscribe to it. And if you don't, I'll hunt you down. And no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely take a read of it. So tell me how that journey started for you and how is it today? I mean, that was 11 plus years ago, right? So Right. It literally started on Twitter, just talking to so many people. And like you said, we went to like the Ford events where we got to like see cars and all that fun stuff. And it's just evolved in the sense of it went from kind of a hobby and then me realizing I didn't want to go back to work after my daughter was born. I'm a social worker and I just loved my job, but... There were just so many things I was doing in the green space that I just felt I wouldn't have time to accomplish if I was working a nine to five. And so I just had to find a way to make it work. And I did. So, you know, I started making money um, in the green space, uh, evolved to me, you know, eight months ago, starting my own podcast, which is super exciting. I love podcasting now. I don't know why I didn't do this many years ago. <laughs> so where is your podcast and how can people get to it? My podcast is called Green Junkie. Green Junkie. I like it. Okay. Okay. And side note, I kind of got the thought of the name. My inspiration came from one of my favorite podcasts. I love true crime podcasts. And so Crime Junkie is one of my favorite podcasts and also Court Junkie. Actually, two of my favorite podcasts. So I was like, such a great name. I'm going to take Green Junkie. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And anybody who's into green and wants to just dive in, that's a perfect spot for you to have your name. That sounds so cool. So um, you started that, you said, recently? And yeah, it's been about like seven months, just kind okay. of chipping away at it, being consistent. So going back to the, the blog, you started off, and how has it grown over time? I think it's evolved, definitely evolved. And I think my business has just taken different... Like, I love my blog. I love Good Girl Gone Green. I don't consistently write on it anymore. It's more kind of my branding. I'm more on social media. I'm more on TikTok. I'm more on Instagram, LinkedIn. I like to hang out there and meet people. I feel like my blog is just a landing page now. Like, there's a lot of great information on there, and it's just kind of pivoted to podcasting. I like to speak audio versus write a blog post, but lots of great info there. So it's kind of evolved into more helping people and consulting with people and coaching people that are kind of thinking, I want to be more green, but I have no idea where to start. And it's kind of like how I got started. I had no idea what to do. I just knew that I wanted to be more green. I wanted to live a more non-toxic lifestyle. I wanted to live a much more simple lifestyle, but I didn't really know where to start. And it was just Googling on the internet, connecting with people, asking questions and getting help from other people. So now I feel like the roles are reversed and I'm here just kind of inspiring people, empowering people, and also helping people along their green path, you know, and kind of weeding out all the noise on the internet. And just, you know, if you have questions for me, just ask them and I'll just answer them. You don't have to Google search for like 30 minutes or an hour, two hours, or like spend days like I do searching for stuff, you know, right. when I'm looking for a product or something green and I spend so much time researching, it's just, hey, I've done the research, I've looked stuff up, and if I don't have the answer, I will find you the answer. So I would assume, based on your work, you have a, like a decent client base for consulting, and they're coming back and they're asking you things. What would be some of the things that you might tell them, you know, little hints or tricks of the trade uh, or uh, products that you like? Let's see. Well, we know about organic. Let's back up for a second. How did you like and get to realize that organic is better than, I call it the number four, <laughs> you know, or those other types of fruits and veggies in the supermarket. I think it was just more the fact that 
they're not sprayed with all those toxic chemicals. And it's not to say organic food is not sprayed with, you know, like approved pesticides, yeah. but the impact on your vegetables and fruit is less, right? So it was really watching Food Inc. That was like my gateway to our food system and how broken it is and how not everyone has access to certain foods. And it just really sucks that organic food does cost more and it costs more because farmers need to pay their bills, right? You know, it's not like they want to charge all this money for food, but it just really opened my eyes. And it was just looking up what is being sprayed on our food, how it's being sprayed on our food. And then just seeing, you know, I eat a vegan diet and I'm not saying that's the answer. There's a lot of controversy on like eating meat, not eating meat. I just think you need to do what's best for you. My family eats meat. I just choose not to eat meat. But just seeing like how animals are treated and, you know, just the disease and like just all that stuff was just, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to contribute to that. I don't want to contribute to the contamination of our waters with runoff. Just, I don't want to be a part of that. And that's when I just said to my husband, like, I've got time on my hands. I'm not working. We don't have kids. Like, let me research this and see, is this real? Is this really a better way to eat? And it just kind of went slowly, right? It wasn't like I woke up one day and just threw everything out of my fridge. That's not what we did. It was just the next time we needed that food, I tried to find an organic option for it versus getting the conventional option. And that doesn't mean like organic Oreos are better for you. That's not what I'm saying. They're still not great for you from a health standpoint, but (laughs) at least I know there's like not as much crap in it. You know, there's still crap, but like less crappy, if that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, one thing I noticed when I have organic fruit is it tastes better it tastes different even like because one of my favorite things i love to do is i get those frozen bags of organic fruit and i'll just eat that sometimes and you know instead of ice cream (laughs) yeah no it tastes great and it's also when you get it local so in the climate in montreal nothing's going really locally a lot of the time (laughs) right so there's a rooftop farm in montreal where i get so much of my fruits and veggies See, oh. like all year, right? I'm getting tomatoes all the time. I'm getting cucumbers all the time. I'm just getting local, really good food in Montreal. But stuff like strawberries aren't growing all year. And I can buy strawberries from California and they taste like shit. Like, and they're organic. It's like they're white inside. I'm like, I don't want a strawberry that's white inside. My kids don't want one. And you're paying like $7 Canadian <laughs> for yeah. a thing of strawberries. So, Again, if I'm buying local organic strawberries during prime season, they taste amazing. I'm going to wait for those and forget about the California strawberries that are white inside. They just don't taste good. And it's like literally a waste of money. Yeah, I've noticed that when I bite into a strawberry and it's just pure white. First during season, during its season, it's like, oh, my God, you could tell the difference. Well, they kind of have to do it because it's traveling so far, right? right, that if they pick it when it's like really ripe. by the time it gets to us it's going to be mush yes yes. like they have to do it to get strawberries to us so again it's just i think it's all about like whether it's food whether it's reducing your waste whether it's like removing toxins from your house whatever it is you're trying to do on that green journey or just in general just bite like do one thing at a time and the best that you can right so if you're looking to change how you eat concentrate on that change how you eat If you don't know what the Dirty Dozen is, Google it. It's a list of fruits and vegetables that if you aren't going to buy everything organic, then maybe look at those options. It's strawberries, it's berries, it's, you know, potatoes. Bananas is not on that list. (laughs) So it's doing the best you can and just making a habit out of one thing at a time because I feel like people get so overwhelmed, you know. It's like if you buy a car, there's like all these options. You're buying this, there's like all these options. And there's like this overwhelm. It's like one thing at a time. If it's food you want to tackle, tackle food. If it's reducing your waste, then tackle that with your reusable bag, your reusable mug, your reusable whatever. If it's food waste, tackle that. If it's composting, because I think it's so overwhelming. And if we just tackle it one thing at a time, it just makes the transition so much easier. I didn't do that. I went all in, just going to be honest. I went all in. I'm like, if I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But That's my personality. The average person isn't going to like go all in like I did. I had time on my hands. I did not have a kid. I was on a sabbatical from work. All I had was time, (laughs) right? Time to research, time to learn how to compost, time to learn how to worm compost at that. 
Like I had time, but like I said, most people don't have that time. So it's to really do one thing at a time. I said time about 16 times, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I want to pick up on just another thing you just mentioned was composting. So tell me like, how do you compost? Because everybody has their own special way or they, they come up with some special trick. So I just want to hear from you. What are you doing to compost? Do you have a bin? Do you have a bin that rotates? Do you have, what do you have? And where do you keep it? And when <laughs> you use it, all, all those kinds of things, just to give people an idea of one thing they could do today. I think if you have a backyard, the best thing to do is to either have like some sort of bin create something, throw it in the backyard and just kind of turn it yourself. You know, you can get like the ones that turn, you can do it yourself. Like my dad just has a big bin and he goes with like, I don't even know what he uses, but uses a stick and he turns it, right? It can be as simple as that, right? Until we moved about a year and a half ago, we didn't have a backyard. We lived in a condo and prior to that, we were living in the United States, we were living in apartments. So my first experience with composting was worm composting, okay? And so it didn't work out for us because we were in Kansas and it was too hot and I killed all the worms. So that's like a whole other story. But um, that was my first experience with composting. I do like composting with worms, but I would not recommend it leaving your worms outside because they will fry. At least they did for me. So after that didn't work out, I was addicted to composting. I was like, I need to keep composting. Once you start realizing what can be created with your food waste, you don't want to stop. At least not my personality and not me. So what I did was I found when we were living in Kansas, this is just total side note, Sam's Club, what, 12 years ago, which is part of Walmart, I believe. I think in the States, you have to pay for like your garbage and stuff, right? I think in some places like us, we just get picked up and it's probably in our taxes or something. Yeah. But a lot of companies, like it's more expensive to get garbage picked up than it would be for like, say, recycling, right? So there was a local, a big composting facility in Wichita, Kansas, and Sam's Club would drive their big trucks over and it would be cheaper by the ton to bring their compost there than to have their garbage picked up. Fun fact. So I found this place, but it's for like businesses with like tons of compost. So I called them like, hi, I would like to compost. And I was wondering, can I drop my compost off at your composting place? Right. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to have to charge you. And it's like, we charge by the ton. I'm like, oh, I'm only going to have like a bucket kind of thing. Oh. And they were like, okay. So I showed up on a Saturday. I'm just like, show up. And the girl's like, hello. I'm like, oh, I have like a bucket of compost. I was told I could drop it off. She's like, yeah, yeah, go in the back. There's like a pile, just drop it in. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking it's going to cost like $30 for me to compost. And then I leave. She doesn't say anything. And then she waves me and just like, she's not charging me. So I went every Saturday when we lived there and dropped my compost off and they never charged me. And then we moved somewhere else in the United States, could not compost indoors. And I went to Whole Foods and I walked in and said, this is when Whole Foods wasn't composting when it was cool. Like they didn't have actual compost bins for customers to use. It was like behind the counter, like all secret. And so I walked in, I said, in Arlington, Texas, I'm like, hi, I can't compost at home. And I really, really want to compost can I bring my compost to you? And the girl looked at me like for a couple of seconds. She's like, let me get my manager. <laughs> oh my! And the manager was like, sure, you can bring your compost here. No problem. But we're just going to ask you to put them in composting bags. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. So they gave me a free bag of composting bags at work. and said, whenever you come to Whole Foods, when it's full, just give it to us. We'll drop it in the compost behind our counter. It's like done. So like there are so many creative ways that you can compost. And I found those ways. It was worm composting. It was finding random composting place. It was composting at Whole Foods. And then when we came back to Canada, I still want to compost. And there's a lot of different systems out there where you can compost indoors. The one that we have is called the Food Cycler. It's now partnered with Vitamix, but it's actually a Canadian company, like an hour and a half from us in Ontario. There's also like Lomi, which is new on the market, made by Pila, which is like these glasses right here. They make phone like all compostable for your phone case and they're also a canadian company and so they created this composting and just dehydrates and grinds up your food so it doesn't necessarily create dirt like it would when you're composting so we have the food cycler i put like my food scraps in it and i'm going to incorporate that into the dirt when i do my garden and then we have 
throw like side pickup, like our town picks up it, but I don't trust them and what they're doing with the compost because I've seen what people put in their compost and it should not be in their compost. I'm always questioning, what are they doing with the compost that's not supposed to actually be in the compost? Like, what are they doing with the stuff that ends up in the compost bin that shouldn't be there? Does that mean that we're all screwed now and all the hard work I did to make sure everything was perfect in my compost, is it just going to get trashed? So I have like serious trust issues. So we compost what we can with the food cycler. And like I said, it just dries up the food and dehydrates it. And then it's like a fine powder. And I have a bin that I throw it in. And then other stuff like an avocado pit can't go in there. Let's say like big stuff like leaves goes in our compost for the city. But we are going to start a composting pile, hopefully in our backyard. I'm not sure yet. All that to say is, There's so many different ways to compost and it's kind of just a learning curve. Like I am not an expert in composting. I just kind of roll up the punches, do a little bit of Google searches if I need to. But if you don't have access to composting there, you know, Whole Foods now compost like openly. Like if you're near Whole Foods, like when I travel, I go to Whole Foods and I dump, like I'll collect compost for like four days and then I'll be like, and I'll like chuck it in the Whole Foods compost like while I'm traveling. So amazing how things have progressed over time and just hyper granule on a little thing like composting and how it's now exploded into an acceptable norm. For right. Companies. And it also depends where you live too, right? Like, you know, there's some places that don't even recycle. Like composting isn't part of their thing. It depends where you live and our curbside pickup for composting. It's maybe been, gosh, like five or six years that it's been offered in our town before that was just my in-laws where they lived, just like the town next door had composting. So I'd get like tons of compost and I would drive over and drop it in there. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, we don't have it in our village at all. If I compost, I compost in the back. I have a big bin right near where this tree was cut down. Well, it fell down because it was elm, Dutch elm, so it died over time. But it's right next to my garden. So then we just scoop out from there and then dump it into the garden. And now with summer coming, it's you know, perfect season for us to be planting and using the compost that we've given to it all fall long, really. And it's just like, I have trust issues with like curbside pickup compost, but it just kind of normalizes composting and just gets the average person that, you know, might not really be too into the green space going, oh, I can do that. I can put my food scraps in a bin and then walk outside or in the garage and drop it in. Right. And it makes it easier. So if you don't have curbside pickup composting, like you have to be passionate about wanting to compost. You know what I mean? Like you have to literally go out of your way. Like I had to go out of my way for the last how many years to compost, right? And yeah. you have to. It's definitely not part of the nomenclature or part of the regular thing. Right. So it's a challenge if you're not part of it. Right. And if you're just like, I don't care and I don't have time, I have like 20 kids, I have a full-time job, like all these things going on, you're not thinking about driving to Whole Foods to drop off compost. Oh, uh, you're definitely not. <laughs> uh, one thing I did know when I was talking with a gentleman about it a while ago who used to be a town administrator, he said that on average, the cost to the village per truck, I think, was $60,000 for fuel. A lot of fuel. Truck. So if you are reducing pickups and composting more, kind of like also the idea of recycling too. So if you don't have as many pickups for trash and you're just picking up for recycling, you're reducing about $60,000 of tax burden onto the community by every, and the diesel emissions and the, you know, the work and the maintenance goes all along with that garbage truck because it's not electric. So there's all those kinds of things that occur with trash as frankly, you know, the business of picking up trash is just as dirty, if not more dirty than the trash itself. So it's it's a thing that can help white people. A lot of people like the idea of it, not just the sense that you can use it for gardening, but also I've noticed that people look at it as a way to possibly save taxpayer dollars as well, because all that fuel cost. And if you've got five trucks going out there that's you know could be three hundred thousand dollars right and so 
the way it works, like where we live, this is what happens. So it's only every two weeks. So like one week is trash, one week is recycling. So it's like that. And then when compost during certain months, probably about April to September, October, it's every week they pick up the compost and then it alternates between trash and recycling. And then in the winter, composting is just once every two weeks. So that probably like lowers our cost as well. And when you think about composting, like they're composting it, but they're doing something with it and they're making money off of it somehow, right? They're using that compost. They must be selling it. They must be doing something with it. It's just not sitting in a pile, like hanging out. So I would imagine that picking up compost, there's like maybe more profit to be made versus trash is just. There has to be. For the village or your town or municipality to want to do something like that, there just has to be. A benefit for them right exactly that's the altruistic thing of picking of compost unfortunately but that's the way government works you know that's just a reality of it and it's like with recycling certain materials are worth more than others right so they're going to yeah. want to pick those up yes yes <laughs> one thing i joke around about in around town is you know they're like oh you're using something that's plastic i'm like yeah but you know what the difference between you and i is 10 out of 10 times i'm going to recycle it Maybe one out of 10, you're going to recycle it. And they're like, you know what, true. So, and my trash days are less significantly than my recycling days. Uh, With my recycling days, it's like you're bringing up everything in the kitchen sink. Whereas on my trash days, I maybe bring up a bin. And there are some days, because we have pickup, for example, on Tuesdays and Fridays. You say trash twice a week? Yeah, they pick up trash. Like trash twice a week. That's a lot of trash that's getting picked up. Like yeah. ours is like every two weeks. Like yeah. that's insane. Like you're yeah. at twice a week and we're like every two weeks. We also yeah. have really big bins. Don't get me wrong. The bins are really big. They're never full. At least ours aren't. Ever. Sometimes they're empty. <laughs> but, yeah, they're picking it up twice a week. And the secret of it is, is there are some days I just don't bring up a trash bin. Yeah, we don't either. But if you look at every other house... They're bringing up trash, which shows how little people are recycling. You have to think about the food waste, right? So there's so much food waste in that trash, like, and not even food waste, like, oh, like I juice some carrots and there's pulp. It's like, literally, I didn't eat my meal. I'm putting it in the trash. That's right. That's right. And think about all of that that could be turned into compost over time, that that could be used for your garden or for your lawn or for my blueberry bushes or anything like that. Right. It's exponential. So I'm trying to give people some takeaways here. So I'm noticing that we're talking about composting and recycling and how much it can save towns and villages simply by doing more with recycling, doing more with your food waste to do that. So I assume you do more than just talk about composting and recycling. So I I know probably one of the things you might do is talk about organic skincare or hair care products for people because people are always interested in what they put on their bodies, you know, and it's a simple way to go about that. So give me some examples of some things that you might recommend to somebody. So my biggest thing when it comes to anything is like use what you already have (laughs) before you buy something new and refill stations like you are going to reduce the amount of waste that you create by using refill stations and not buying stuff you don't need like end of story just don't buy it if you don't need it so when it comes to certain personal care products like say shampoo one could be that you buy shampoo bars it looks like an actual bar of soap but you can get shampoo and conditioner and you use that so a lot of the products that we buy like shampoos and stuff or even cleaning products the majority of the ingredient is water so we're just shipping water And so not only are we putting it in a plastic container, usually the cleaning product or the shampoo, we're now shipping water across the country or across a border. So that transportation is impacting the environment because more fuel is being used, more space on the truck. You know how it goes. And it's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, right? So by buying products that are already concentrated without all the water, It helps on the transportation side, and then it also helps you as a consumer because you're not buying all these plastic bottles. So example, shampoo, conditioner could be as simple as buying shampoo bars and conditioner bars. 
It could be that if you have a refill station in your town or wherever you live, you bring your own containers with you and you refill your shampoo and conditioner. If you want bubble bath, same thing, refill your bubble bath if it's an option. Cleaning products, there's companies out there. There's one company for, I'm trying to think of the name right now, I think it's called True Earth. They're actually a Canadian company as well. They're called True Earth and they do laundry strips. So instead of shipping laundry detergent, which is mostly water, right, across the country or for wherever you're getting your laundry from, you buy these strips in basically an envelope and you drop the strip in your wash and that's your detergent. There's other companies that'll sell concentrates. So it still is a liquid, but it's concentrated. And all you do is take a bottle, you add a cap full of the concentrate to your bottle, and then you fill it up with water. So you're not buying water. So it's kind of like thinking out of the box, how can I reduce my waste and how can I use products that won't create more waste, but also reduce your impact? So those are some examples. Skincare, it's looking at companies, you know, organic. I would always look for organic skincare, looking at companies also that are looking to reduce their waste on their websites, talking about sustainability, talking about the ingredients that they use, being very transparent. I think being transparent is super important and consumers want to know what they're putting on their bodies, what they're putting in their bodies. So looking for companies that are transparent, talking about sustainability, reducing their plastic consumption. You know, a lot of companies will use glass containers for their skincare versus plastic. Um, There's some companies out there. There's a company I've bought serum for my face, like a face serum. And you have the option to buy the small bottle without the dropper or with the dropper. Again, it's just an example of do you need a new dropper every time you buy a face serum? If you've already bought 10 of them? No, you just need the bottle. So that's another way that a company is reducing the amount of waste they're creating, but also the amount of waste that the consumer is creating. So I think in a nutshell, when it comes to skincare, what I've learned is you got to know your skin type and what works for you. It's not going to work for everybody. I have rosacea, so I can't just willy nilly use any skincare on my face because I'm going to break out like a tomato, like seriously, like a tomato. So I have to be very specific on what I use. And sometimes it's not perfect, but it's healthy for my skin. So I think that's also super important for people is look at the company you're buying from, look at the ingredients that they're using and look at what the product is being packaged in and what they think about sustainability. What are they doing for a sustainability standpoint? But not all products are created equal. And there's some products I would love to use on my face, but if I use it, like it just won't work on my skin type. Like I'm trying to heal my face and using certain oils or heavy oils on my face, like serums won't work. But for somebody else using a serum on their face, which is oils and, you know, mixed up with essential oils, yeah. can work really, really well for their skin. It's not going to work really, really well for me. So to be mindful also of what you can use on your face, because there's a lot of great companies out there, but a lot of those products just will aggravate my rosacea. You know what I mean? So right. some of the skincare I use is not perfect but it's healing my skin at the same time. Does that make sense? Like oh, completely. I would love to have that perfect mom and pop skincare that I use all the time. That's from like a local company that, you know, has the most prestige ingredients. Right. I would love to use that, but sometimes that just doesn't work on my face. I have super sensitive skin. So I use another brand that's not perfect, but they're organic. They come wrapped in plastic. I don't love it, but it works on my face. So you know, it's like a bit of a compromise sometimes. So not all organic products are created equal depending upon the skin type. Right. Because there's no certification, right? Like there's no government that is like, it's not like food, you know, you can get an organic stamp on skincare, but it's not necessarily regulated. Like food is regulated. Right. So a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of greenwashing, I could talk about greenwashing forever. There's a lot of greenwashing and a company will make a skincare, let's say like a hand cream, like an example, or a foaming soap and they'll write organic lavender foaming soap. And then you turn it over. Like there is nothing organic about that soap or lotion. It's that they might use organic lavender, but there's still sodium lauryl sulfate in it. There's still all this other crappy shit in it. Um, and you can just beat that out if you need to. <laughs> all right. We'll put a PG on yeah. the, uh, on the um, puppy. That's okay. <laughs> And so I think you have to just be, you know, conscious that people are marketing because they know that it works. If they put a picture of a flower or 
green on their packaging, then they automatically think that it's safe to use or better to use. And it's not always the case. As a consumer, we really need to just flip over our labels, take a peek and say, do I want to put this on my face? And if you do, go for it. And if you don't, then find something else that's better. Yeah, I was about to say, definitely when you try a new skincare or hair care product, turn over, read the label, because, you know, what they say is organic and natural is not organic and natural most of the time because there's these chemical byproducts that they just add regularly and it will affect you in the same toxic way as something that isn't labeled organic. I heard one story one time that the average person or woman puts about, if they're not careful, can put about 300 different chemicals on their body before they've even gone to work. Right. So if you think about it, you wake up, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, you might put a toner on, you might put a serum on your face, you might put lotion, you put lotion on your hands, you put lotion on your feet, you might use hairspray, you might put something else in your hair, you put makeup on, you put lipstick, a lip gloss, you might put some foundation on, you might do all these things. And so a lot of people will say, well, it's only a little bit of sodium lauryl sulfate in X product. It's only a little bit of this. And it's true. There's only a little bit. But if you're putting 10 different products on your body before you eat breakfast, then that accumulates. That has a burden on your body. So yes, that product that you're using might only have a little bit of that certain chemical and it might not be harmful to you. But if all the products that you're using have that exact same chemical all at different levels, well, it's going to add up over time. It's compounding to say the least. Yeah. So if you were to talk about the top two things that you either consult people about or talk about in your TikToks or whatever, what are the top two things that are your go-to things that you like talking about? I love to talk about sustainable fashion and how messed up our fashion industry is. And I really love to talk about and educate people on reducing their waste in all different areas of their life. And like I mentioned before, it's using what you already have before you decide to buy something new. So, you know, example, we're just sitting here. I know they're not going to see it, so I won't show it. But like, instead of buying a vase, like I have jars at home. Why am I going to go out and buy something new or even buy it secondhand? Like I can buy it secondhand, like using what you already have. You know, if you want to reduce your waste and bring cutlery with you, you don't have to go out and buy the trendy bamboo cutlery. You have cutlery at home. Bring that with you or Let's say you're not so concerned with plastic right now and you have plastic Tupperwares at home. Use that until you decide that you want to switch to glass or stainless steel. Or another example is the Ziploc bags. You might have a box of Ziploc bags sitting at home. Use them. Use them till they're no longer usable before you go out and buy the reusable alternative, which could be cloth bags or using like silicone bags. There's no use taking that box and dumping it in the trash. That is unsustainable. (laughs) It's ungreen. So use those plastic bags. And when the box is empty, then you turn around and go, okay, I want to have a sustainable option. I don't want to buy plastic anymore. Oh, I'll buy this. I'll buy that. So it's just kind of using what you have before you buy something new. And then it's once you want to buy something is looking at thrifting, looking at, can I buy that secondhand? Can I find it on Facebook marketplace? Can I find it on Kijiji or wherever you hang out, can I find these products instead of buying it new? Like my son wanted a scooter, 20 bucks at a thrift store. Works completely fine. Just needs oh to be. Oh my gosh. Well, that. like a scooter, not like a vroom vroom scooter, like a little push scooter. Yeah, but still, you know, 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, it was 20 bucks. I mean, it's the handle, like part of it, it's like broken, like it's totally usable. But I'm like, what happens if he doesn't even like it? <laughs> and then right. I just wasted money. Yeah. And so when we're looking for things like my daughter, she loves to read and she'll go onto my Facebook, right to Facebook marketplace. And she's 11 and she'll start looking up books. And she's like, I found the books I want on Facebook marketplace. Can we get them? You know, instead of going to the bookstore. So there's just so many things that I think people don't realize they can get secondhand that are in great condition. It's going to save you money. It's going to lower your consumption. It's going to put money in someone else's pocket that might need it. Right. To get something else instead right. of putting our money into these big box stores that don't necessarily need our money. Yeah, it was funny. One time I was talking with somebody else in the green space and they said they get all of their jeans through eBay. And when they search eBay, they go for 
uh, used genes. They just type in used genes, and they're able to find anywhere across the country somebody who's got used genes, and hopefully they're local, so it doesn't cost as much to, not right. just on the idea of shipping it, but just transportation-wise, you know, it's shopping local, that kind of right. thing. There are little things that people can be doing all the time to make those effective changes that will make them greener by the day. And I always say, you know, green living guy, one small step at a time. So today's is, there's been a bunch. So we've, we've <laughs> talked about, today we've talked about composting. Today we've talked about the quality of your skincare and hair products. Make sure you're reading the label or look at the website and see how sustainable they are. Make sure they're not greenwashing. They're actually doing something sustainable, right? Electric cars, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that sustainable fashion should be definitely another discussion that we can have on a podcast alone. Because that's, that's a, a big whole one. Book, diving in. That's a whole other 45 minutes to an hour of, of <laughs> talking about that issue. I know about that well. I've been talking with people in the New York area that deal with uh, sustainable fashion shows and they talk to me about it. So that's a big issue, to say the least, and how the products are produced, where they're produced, what By is who? fashion, all that kind of stuff versus and the simple things that people could do. So, you know, another idea is if you go onto eBay or you go onto Pinterest or you go onto something, type in used whatever, type in used whatever you want or onto Facebook Marketplace, type in something and you're going to find something you can repurpose, reuse, buy from somebody and contribute right. to their economy versus a big box economy. I think those are definitely some great takeaways that we've just outlined to the audience without even thinking about it, you know? And I just wanted to mention, so some great places if you're looking for secondhand, so Facebook Marketplace for sure. A lot of communities will have buy nothing groups. So it's basically a Facebook group that started within your community. And if let's say you have a kettle, I'm just using that as an example, a kettle, you don't want it. You post in the group, I have a kettle, I'm leaving it outside. Who wants it? And it's buy nothing. You don't sell it. You're just giving. So it's just trading basically with your neighbors or someone will say, I have an old chair that I don't need anymore. If you want it, you can come and get it. I'm going to put it outside or whoever messages me first can have it. So right. that's a great way. Poshmark is a great website as well. They have it in Canada, the United States. It's just people. So if you're looking to make money off of your clothes, you can create an account and sell your own stuff on that site. So then you're making an income by selling the stuff you don't want on Poshmark. And then if you're looking for stuff, you can search the website and find stuff that you might need, right? Um, right. Same thing on Facebook Marketplace. So when people talk about like it's expensive to live green, it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be super simple. You don't have to go in and buy the electric car. You don't right. have to go buy the fancy composter. You don't have to do those things. It can just be really simple living. And it can be as simple as buying secondhand and the stuff you don't want anymore. You can sell it to be able to buy the things that you do need. That's one thing I love talking about in Going Green, about how it actually saves you money in the long run. It doesn't cost you money. Sometimes in certain cases, it does cost you a little bit more upfront, but then the savings over the life of that product are right. drastically, you know, it's reduced versus something that is traditionally not green. So, right. Like if you look at furniture and you buy like IKEA furniture, like, no offense, Ikea, but your stuff falls apart. Like, it doesn't stay intact. But Or I can go buy something that might cost twice as much, but it's solid wood, and I'm going to pass it on to my children. Right. right. Right? So it's like that trade-off. And I understand why people buy the Ikea furniture. It's less expensive. They don't have the finances maybe to buy something. But if you do have it, the upfront cost, yes, is more expensive, but long-term, you'll save money because you're not continuously replacing that crappy product with a new one. Right. On that note too, we bought furniture at a store and they mentioned that they crafted it locally and everything was handmade and the way it was made was sustainably. And we checked into it and it was legit. And uh, I can honestly say every time I sit on those couches, there's never a point where I sit on them and I've had them for as long as some of the products I have in my basement 
where I'm like, I need to replace it yesterday versus I go upstairs and I'll sit in the living room on those couches. And I'm like, I'm never going to need to replace those (laughs) ever again. And it's quality to most cases matters a lot because that will affect the life of that product, how long you keep it, how long it stabilizes your back in some cases <laughs> when, it, when it's a, a couch. So, you know, there's literally things like that that might cost you a little bit more up front, but then imagine not having to worry about couches in your living room. Right. And it's taking care of those products, right? It'll extend the life of it. So cars, you know all about cars. If you take care of your car, like I had my car, my golf for, I had a diesel for like, oh gosh, like 13 years and I had to get rid of it because I got into an accident or I would have kept it. And I got a Lexus, I got a hybrid Lexus and I've had it for five years and it almost looks brand new except for the little dent on the side. But overall, it's like, it's in the garage in the winter now. We didn't have a garage before. So now it's in the garage in the winter when I'm not driving it. I get it clean twice a year. Like I'm taking care of it. And now that car that's five years old does not look five years old. Not just that, but you're using the engine less because you're using the hybrid system, the batteries, the brake pads really don't wear on a hybrid car. I have a hybrid Lexus also. And every time go, do you need to, you know, just check the brake pads? See if they're, and they constantly come back to me. Yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> good. They're real. They, they, they look like they're brand new. So, I mean, you can really surprise what byproducts do come from buying a green product. Right. Like, you replace parts, maybe less yeah. for buying a good, you know, whether it's a car or something else, you know? So I just think it's like you said, it's buying quality product when you do buy something new and just taking care of it. You know, when it comes to clothing, same thing, just take care of that piece of clothing that you bought that, that hundred dollar sweater you bought, you know, just take care of it, wear it as much as you can take care of it, extend that life. And it's going to be worth it in the end. I'll have to find out and send to you the number, and I'm forgetting now, but I do remember noticing a thing where the after three or plus years of wearing a shirt, the same shirt, reduces all of this water, all of these chemicals, all of this stuff that would not have been used because you're extending the life of a product by taking care of it, right? So imagine with how many people there are in this world. If we just extended the life of how long have we keep our clothing, mm-hmm. what do you do to how much water there is saved or how many toxins are not put in chemi- you know, or chemicals that are not used to do fast fashion or any of that kind right. of stuff. So it really, I think, you know, I'm just one guy and I know you probably say you're just one girl, but like... <laughs> Our words matter and what we're saying matters and how it can affect change across the board. It can affect from Canada to the United States, how people purchase products, how they choose products and where they go for products. Also, you've given also some great slow fashion ideas now of where people can go and buy clothing like Poshmark or for Facebook Marketplace or like I said, you know, eBay and just typing in used something, how much it can all add up for people and how much it can save for people on their bottom line. And I think that's what's exciting about the small little things of going green because it can really affect so many different things. Like from composting, it can affect how many times the trash is picked up. And recycling can affect how many times the trash is picked up. You know, it's all these little things we're not just saying to the audience here. We're saying these things because they matter in the large scale of how many different, if we all started doing it, little things like that, it can add up drastically into what we're choosing to purchase and not purchase or have our government haul our trash or haul our composting or say, you know what, we're going to pick up trash once a week now because most people are recycling. You know, if those trends kind of happen over communities, it can affect how much people are saving on trash pickup. So I really thank you for your time. It's been like, you know, we're almost in an hour and we've (laughs) 
barely scratched the surface. <laughs> I feel like I go into I won't, but I feel like you know we'll have to have you come back again because I feel like we could just talk another hour about small little things and it could just add up. You know, and again, it's one small step at a time, one little right. thing. They're trying to take one takeaway from today. You know, the ladies or even the guys out there, if you're looking for clothing, try, you know, the alternatives that we've suggested tonight, because you never know who's listening, what they're thinking. And if they make that change and other people see it, you never know what it could do for people. We really do have an ability and an impact on people's lives. And I think that's what's so special about being in this green space. And that's why I celebrate your involvement in the green space, because you're, you're effectuating change more than you might actually know. And this cliche as this sounds, it's really voting with your dollar. I know we hear this yeah. all the time. It really is. It's voting with your dollar. It's, you know, maybe you don't buy a lot of organic food, but every time you buy those organic apples and strawberries, you're telling somebody, I want these products. And with time, the prices will come down with time. The more that there's a demand for organic, the prices will have to come down eventually. Absolutely. So to wrap up, Green Living Guy says one small step at a time. Today's is definitely check out Stephanie Moram, Girl Gone Green, right? Good Girl Gone Green. Good Girl Gone Green. <laughs> but I asked. It's late here, folks, so I'm a little on the punchy side. So Good Girl Gone Green. Is that your TikTok also? My TikTok and Instagram is this is Stephanie Morham. Okay, so glad I asked because <laughs> like I don't I can't find her. Oh my God. So you know, there's the Stephanie Moram, folks. So one small step today is this is Stephanie Moram. You need to check her out. You need to listen to what she's talking about. She's been in this industry and she's been an advocate and a supporter and an amazing leader and champion for going green in such a simple way. And we've barely scratched the surface here. And we've talked about so many different things. Thank you again. I'm so grateful for your time. And we're going to have you back on another episode because we barely even scratched the surface on fashion. So we need to talk about that as well. Maybe have a round table with a couple other people. I think there's so many different opportunities to talk about things. So thank you again. Thank you. All right. Green Living Guy saying we're out. Good night. Good morning, wherever you're listening to this. You've been listening to The Green Living Guy Show with your host, Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time. <laughs>